What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the first and foremost sports podcast with your host, Jimmy Covington. I am the one and only Quentin Douglas. We're back at it again with episode 21. Quentin, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good, Jimmy. How you doing, bro? I'm doing good, bro. Just, you know, watching these playoff games, taking it all in. So we've been waiting on. So, man. But, hey, listen, let's go ahead and get it started. Uh, you know, the NBA bubble has been going on. Uh, the regular season games came to conclusion on Saturday uh, with the Portland Trailblazers securing the eight seed. And also, uh, they voted on all bubble awards. And so, you know, you got the bubble MVP, bubble coach of the year, first team all bubble, and second team all bubble. So, Quinn, what are your thoughts on the NBA bubble award and the all bubble teams? Yeah, uh, so first, for one, you know, a lot of people, I think it was a pretty popular decision uh, as far as, you know, having bubble awards. Uh, So I'm glad that the NBA went ahead and did that. Uh, You know, of course, Damian Lillard, unanimous MVP. I had no disagreements there. Uh, You know, pretty much every game for them up to this point has already been a playoff game. Uh, you know, they came into the bubble, like you said, like I think they were ninth or tenth, something like that. Uh, and it took them going six and two to, you know, be in a position to play in the playing game against the Grizzlies. Uh, but Dame's been pretty much unguardable. Uh, you know, even before the bubble, you know, of course, Steph was injured. Uh, but I thought Dame was the best point guard, you know, in the NBA this season. Uh, and was probably, you know, a top five MVP candidate, even though, you know, their record doesn't show it. Uh, you know, Book was close. You know, you have to give him his props. Uh, the Suns went undefeated. But you do have to take into consideration half the teams they played, you know, were sitting their starters. Uh, and I think, you know, other guys, T.J. Warren went off. You know, he did his thing in the bubble. Uh, Luca, you know, him and Porzingis. Now that they're both healthy and well-rested, you know, especially Porzingis, uh, you know, they were getting buckets in the bubble as well uh, for the Mavericks. You know, it didn't translate to wins, but that confidence can be huge now that it's playoff time. Uh, And then Giannis and Harden, you know, they were MVP candidates all season. Uh, So, you know, their performance in the bubble wasn't really surprising at all. Um, I thought a guy which I guess he did get hurt, but and couldn't play half the games. But I thought a guy that could at least make second team was Russ. Um, I think his first two games, he scored 31 both times. Uh, I think he even had a triple-double once. And I think those came over teams like uh, Dallas and I believe Milwaukee, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But before he got injured, he was balling. Uh, But other than that, I pretty much agree. You know, Karis LeVert, the Nets. You know, half their team pretty much sat the bubble out. Uh, So he's been kind of leading them, which he's always been a good player. You know, just battled some injuries. Uh, I think that, you know, I pretty much covered everybody. But like I said, I didn't really have any disagreements. I didn't either. I think, you know, Dame Lillard being MVP was pretty much unanimous. Uh, James Harden was second in voting. Devin Booker was third. Luka was fourth in voting. And Giannis was fifth, so not really a surprise there. 
Uh, I did want to mention that eight of the top ten scorers in the bubble were on first and second team. The only two guys that didn't make it were Paul George and De'Aaron Fox. Uh, Dame was was out of this world. He was putting up about 38 and 10 and made 44 threes in eight games. Uh, he Basically, all he nearly had a, a 50-40-90 stat line there in the bubble. And when you think about the volume of shots that he takes and the volume of three-pointers, that's, that's incredible. That's, that's incredible right there like this. He, he was playing like a man possessed in the bubble. And the same with James Harden and Devin Booker and Luka Doncic, you know, all those guys. Chris Stapps, Kawhi was his normal self. Giannis was his normal self. Karis LeVert, like you mentioned, has always been a good player at battle injuries. He put up about 25-7 and seven in the bubble. Oh, you had Michael Porter Jr., uh, who came on averaging about 22-9. and nine. So, you know, I mean, all the – and T.J. Warren, I think, was a surprise of the bubble. He was averaging about 31 a game. Had a 53-point outing. You know, T.J. Warren was lighting it up. And I think the crazy part is, I mean, like, he was averaging, I think, 19 per game coming into the bubble. So, I mean, he was already – you could see that he was able to put the ball in the basket at a high level. So, I mean – and then you got coach of the – you had coach of the bubble, which is Monty Williams. Uh, Phoenix Suns were 8-0. Uh, they were – unable to, you know, secure a playoff spot or or even to get into the play-in tournament. So I think that was kind of – it's kind of – you know, I, I kind of wanted to see them in the play-in. Uh, but I think the best team – you know, I think of those teams fighting for the AC, I think the best team won in Portland. I didn't really want to see Memphis in the playoffs. I'm just going to be real with you because they were going to get dog-walked by the Lakers. <laughs> Let's just keep it real here. I think Portland po- uh, posed the biggest threat to the, to the Lakers in terms of the eight seed. So, I mean, I'm glad Damon them got that eight seed. But in terms of, you know, so, uh, first team and second team bubble selections and, you know, MVP, they got it all right. I think it was pretty much cut and dry. Yeah, um, you know, we pretty much agree. You know, I think in the grand scheme of things, or at least up to this point, uh, I think the bubble's been a huge success. You know, of course, you still had your teams once they secured their spots. You know, they balance rest and players. But, I mean, that was still going to happen with the regular NBA season. Uh, but, you know, the play-in game, uh, I think the intensity has been good. Uh, you know, fouling and stuff has been up, you know, way up. Uh, but, you know, other than that, it's been pretty good. Uh, but, yeah, where it's the best part of the season that actually matters now, the playoffs. Yes, sir. So, why don't we get right. into that? I do, yeah, but I do got one. I do want to add one more thing. Honestly, I feel like, you know, like you said, the bubble's been everything I could have expected and more. I think those guys have pretty much taken every single game seriously. And it, it sort of feels like a, a rec league game. You know what I'm saying? To a degree, it's highly, it seems like some highly skilled rec players. That's what it seems like, the atmosphere. Honestly, I don't care about the crowd. They could never have another uh, fan in the game again. I would not care. Cause I just enjoy basketball in its purest form, and I'm sure you do too. And it's like though, you know, you see guys. That's when you get a chance to see guys like T.J. Warren. You know, you don't really see Devin Booker a lot, and you see like the type of game that those guys have. And this, I like, I like that. You know, I like that style. And the play-in game was, I think that's a that's a nice touch too. I don't know if they'll keep that format going forward, uh, but that's something to to think about too going into next season. But man, as you mentioned, the playoffs started yesterday. So, you know what I'm saying, let's go ahead and move on into our NBA playoffs preview. Uh, Quinn, 
You can go ahead and get started. You can go first. All right. What you want to start West or Eastern Conference? Uh, we can start West. Of course, of course. All right, man. So the one and eight seed matchup. We got the L.A. Lakers and the Portland Trailblazers. You know, we've already talked about it. Dame was playing at an all-time great level. Uh, you know, since entering the bubble, I think you mentioned last week. You know, in his interview, he said he wasn't in the bubble to waste time. So you know, if they were coming to the bubble, they was gonna get in the playoffs. Uh, but you know, like you said. Out of all the teams that could have got the AC, they do pose the biggest threat to the Lakers, even though I still don't think that's really a big threat. Because, uh, I mean, even at this point, Dame's really kind of been a one-man show. Uh, so I think, for one, you know, the Lakers have the advantage of being rested. Uh, the Blazers, you know, if you include the play-in game, uh, you know, probably like their last four or five games, have already felt like playoff games, so they may be feeling a little bit of that fatigue. Uh, and then I think the biggest area, you know, you have to be concerned about for the Blazers, they had the worst bubble defense. And, you know, namely looking at their roster, they don't really have a wing defender uh, that's going to be able to, you know, effectively guard LeBron. And, I mean, yeah, they got Nurkic, and, you know, Whiteside can play whenever he wants to. but I mean, Nurkic is really – that's a mismatch for AD. I mean, even looking back to when the Trailblazers played the Pelicans, like, Nurkic didn't want none of AD, you know, during any of that series. Um, and, you know, just looking at AD being an even better player now and having someone like LeBron to get him the ball, I don't really see that matchup changing. Um, so, I do expect some games to be close uh, just because the Blazers can't score with anybody. Uh, but and they may still won, so I'm going LA Lakers in five in this one. Uh, you took the words out of my mouth. I'm going Lakers in five as well. I feel like Portland will get at least the game. You know, I don't think in terms of guard play, I don't think we match up well with them in terms of guard play. But if you want to look on the wings, then we dominate them on the wing, and then we got the best big man by far. And the series, we got the best two players in the series. It's, I mean, let's just say 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 how it is. But they ain't got no answer for Brian and AD. It's simple. Uh, but I think the big man matchups in terms of, you know, the three players that really play, you know, AD, JaVale, and Dwight Howard versus, you know, Yusuf Nurkic, Zach Collins, and Hassan Whiteside. I think that's a that's a that's an intriguing matchup in terms of bigs. But of course, you know, the Lakers have the edge because of AD. Uh, you know. Like I said, guard play is that'll be if the Blazers can get a game, that's what's gonna put them over the top. Uh, we don't have an answer for Dame. Uh, nobody has an answer for Dame. Let's just say to get that out, get that out there. Uh, <laughs> CJ, even though CJ has been CJ McCollum has been dealing with a lower back injury, I think he has a broken bone, this vertebrae or something like that. Mm, yeah, he still he still made big shots down the stretch against the Grizzlies uh, Saturday. So you know, I think when you got those two guys, that can give you combined 50, 55 every single night. And I think that poses a threat, but nah, they're not, it's not enough star power. If they had maybe a, a wing defender, if they had Rod, if they had Rodney Hood and if they had, you know, Trevor Reason in the bubble with that, <laughs> if they had those two guys in the bubble, then maybe I could see them taking the six games. Rodney Hood. 
I mean, he, he a nice bucket. I mean, and then you got Trevor Reason with the, you know, the veteran with a little defense, a little three-point shot. I think Ariza they could have they could have took it to six games. I didn't I didn't think they was gonna push it past six. Come on now. But like you said, man, I got the Lakers in five as well. Yeah, and I do give the Blazers credit for, you know, at least getting to this point. And you know I gotta shout out my guy from Duke, Gary Trent for the Blazers. Dude's been a, a human blowtorch in the in the bubble. I think he's shooting like over sixty percent from three point range. So, you know, like we said, that backcourt, if they can get hot, the Lakers going to have their hands full. Uh, but like we said, you know, clearly the Lakers had the two best players in this series, uh, you know, and I just I just don't really see in their defense uh, standing much of a chance against them. So, yeah, Lakers and five. Well, let's move on to the the second, the two versus the seventh seed in the Western Conference. Uh, the second seed is the Los Angeles Clippers, and the seventh is the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, they played the first game last night, and the Clippers took that one. Uh, so, Quinn, what are your predictions uh, with the rest of this series? Yeah, so you know, going into it, looking at these two teams, uh, you know, I just thought it was overall going to be a fun series. You know, clearly. For me, anyway, the Clippers are, or the Mavericks are outmatched because, you know, we've talked about it. You know, the Mavericks, their youth and their inability to close games, you know, and they also really don't play much defense. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> the the Clippers just plain and simple have too much depth and they got at least, you know, three or four of their starting five that you trust to guard Luka. And, yeah, you know, he did get his 42 points, but – you know, forcing him in those turnovers, you know, it was his first playoff game. Uh, but, you know, ultimately down the stretch, that hurt the Mavericks because, I mean, even if he could have cut those turnovers in half possibly, you know, that could have made a difference in winning or losing an eight-point game ultimately. Uh, but, you know, I'll let you touch on it more since you watched the game. But I think, you know, the Mavericks did – catch a tough break by losing Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, but I guess you kind of elaborate on that. But my prediction is Clippers in six. Same thing again. I got the Clippers also in six. Uh, last, you know, against the Clip, against the Mavericks this season, the Clippers are 4-0 uh, with an average margin of at least 10 points per game. Uh, and I think one thing that, you know, that was interesting, I saw yesterday before the game started, I saw that uh, Montrez Harrell, he cleared quarantine. It was clear to play, and he did play some last night. But he hasn't been in the bubble in uh, what three, four weeks. So you know he wasn't really yeah. that much. Of, he was more of a factor going down the stretch of the game. He didn't really play much during the early part. But I think the the big thing is it's an astronomical mismatch on the wings. You got Kawhi and PG, who I would consider the best two way wings in the game, versus the Mavericks wings. I mean, I'm, besides Dorian Finney-Smith and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, who else can you name that plays on the wing for them? You can't name nobody. And those guys don't get buckets. Nobody. I mean, they're some decent defenders, but Kawhi and PG can get you 30 on any given night. So, they'll be a mismatch for anybody on the wing. And in terms of, I think, guard play, I think that's a pretty interesting matchup. You got, you got, you know, you got Reggie Jackson, Lou Williams, Pat Bell versus Luka, Seth Curry, and Trey Burke. And so, you know, I think that's a nice matchup. You know, Luka is the best guard out of all of those guys, of course. But I think, you know, and I think the Clippers, they don't have a match, uh, an answer for Chris Asperzingas. 
think he's a mismatch for pretty much everybody except for the Lakers and maybe the Bucks. He's seven foot three, can put the ball on the floor, got a sweet shooting stroke, and he can defend. But I, I just don't think he is as physical as he should be or could be. I think if he was more physical, you know, I think that would definitely help the Mavericks out. But I think one thing uh, with Dallas, another thing with Dallas is that you can't hide Luka against the Clippers. You know, PG going to get buckets. <laughs> Kawhi going to get buckets. We, I saw Marcus Morris had 19 last night. You're not going to put him on Zubac because, you know, I've seen Zubac, you know, get busy in a low post. You know, you're not going to put him on Trez. He's too little for Trez. And he can't guard. We definitely can't guard Sweet Lou. We know Lou Will is a professional scorer. Richie Jackson also can give you about 17 and 20 a game, too. Uh, we've seen him do it, you know, with uh, later with the Thunder and then, you know, with the Pistons. So we know what Reggie Jackson can do. So you got about seven, six, seven guys that can pretty much get you 20 on any given night. And I, like I said, I think I mentioned to you before, you know, we started recording that if I'm the Clippers, whoever Luca Garden, I'm running the pick and roll. Because Luca can't defend the left side of the barn if it stood still. I mean, let's just call it what it is. I saw the 42 points last night. I was like, okay. But I looked at them 11 turnovers, and I was like, it's not going to cut it. You know, you can score all the points you want, but them 11 turnovers going to hurt. And, you know, they ultimately did come back to hurt them. And I think, you know, people who got a chance to watch their game, they thought about, you know, the Chris Dasperzingis ejection, which I think, you know, the ejection was, you know, it, it was egregious. I, I admit it. Uh, the first technical call was was completely bogus. Uh, he showed a little emotion off a foul call, which I think all players do. But I think, you know, the second technical to get him ejected, I think that was that that technical foul was warranted because he came way across the court to push Marcus Morris. In any circumstance, that's gonna get called a technical. And Marcus Morris received the technical too. So in any circumstance, it's gonna be a double technical. But Chris Stapps just happened to have that other one. And I think, you know, Colin Cowher mentioned it. You gotta you gotta put that on Chris Stapps. You know, and I think Chris Stapps mentioned in the post game uh that it's his responsibility to to learn how to react to those type of situations because he knew that he already had a technical. And so you, you can't react like that, you know what I'm saying, and put yourself in harm's way. And it possibly cost them a game, and which I didn't – you know, I didn't really think the Mavericks were going to win anyway. Like it's, like you mentioned, they've shown the inability to close all season long. They're 8-19 and 19 in games decided by five points to list. That's terrible. <laughs> That's pathetic. When you got two guys – and they had the most efficient offense in league history. So I don't – you know, I don't – I don't understand why they can't close. They got the guys that can get buckets, you know. Uh, but I think I think it's you know I think that's something to do with inexperience and youth, you know. With the Clippers, bro, you know we've seen it last five six minutes of the game. They just flip the switch, and I think veteran teams can do that. Even though the, the Clippers haven't played much together as a whole unit, I think we saw them flip that switch last night. Finally, being fully healthy, and we saw what they can do. Yeah, like you said, you know, the 11 turnovers, the inability to close games, uh, you know, that does just go back to their youth, you know. It was Luca's first playoff game. Uh, Chris Stapps didn't do much winning in New York. And, you know, now he's getting his first taste of playoff action. Uh, but, you know, I think, you know, with some experience and some time, especially Luca, anyway, uh, I think they'll be better. But, you know, like you said, Clippers are a veteran team. They've done this before. You know, Doc Rivers is a championship head coach. Uh, so, you know, they can just flip the switch whenever they want to, really. Uh, so, yeah, I can see it. Well, you know, even 
if Dallas had won last night, I think it would have been easier for me to say six. But with that one yeah. slipping away, I probably have to go Clippers yeah. in five now. Yeah. I, I was literally just thinking it. Yeah, if they were going to get six, that second one probably would have been last night. So it's probably Clippers in five now. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. But let's move on to the the third, the three and the six seed matchup in the Western Conference. So the Denver Nuggets sit at the three seed, and the Utah Jazz sit at the six seed. Uh, they played Monday, and the Nuggets took the W in overtime, despite Donovan Mitchell's fifty-seven points. Uh, so, Quentin, what are your predictions on the rest of this series? Yeah. Uh, so before the series started, you know, I had Nuggets in six. You know, clearly the Jazz lost uh, Boyan Bogdanovich to a wrist injury, I believe. And he was their second leading scorer. So, you know, at this point, you know, you just have to question where will the offense come from? You saw Donovan Mitchell literally put on an all-time great performance and still came up short in overtime. Like, to put up 57 points and lose, I think I'd be pretty heated. Uh, But, you know... The Nuggets are just too well-balanced, too well-rounded. Uh, Jokic, you know, uh, at least in Gobert's case, you know, he's shown to struggle with, you know, bigs who are skilled and, you know, have the agility and footwork to score outside the paint. And, you know, he had like 29 points, I believe. Uh, then, you know, Jamal Murray stepped up. He had like 36, you know, to lead the Nuggets. Because down the stretch, him and Donovan Mitchell were just going back and forth. And, you know, I loved every second of that. Uh, But, you know, I went from six to five because, for one, like we said with the Mavericks, I felt like that game one was the best chance to get that first win. And for it to take Donovan Mitchell putting up 57 and you still come up short, I think, you know, that has to go down as a win. They let slip away. Uh, Combined with – the fact, you know, they also didn't have Mike Conley for that game uh, because, you know, I believe he just had a son that was born. Um, so, you know, like we said, like I said, the Nuggets are just too deep. You know, they got Torrey Craig, Michael Porter Jr. has been balling in the bubble. Uh, Jeremy Grant chipped in with like almost 20 points. Uh, and Monte Morris has been a steady backup point guard all season long. Um, so I can see the Jazz may begin one out of this series now, but I don't think the Nuggets will really struggle to win this series. You know, I originally had the Nuggets in six as well. But like you said, after that game, you know, I think that, you know, the, the Jazz simply don't have enough offense. And, you know, like you said, Bogdanovich got hurt. They definitely hurt. Uh, and Mike Con- not Mike, having Mike Conley is huge as well. So, you know, you got a bunch of guys that aren't really scorers. You know, you know, you got Georges Niang. You know, he comes off the bench. Emmanuel Moutier, uh, he is a decent role player. You know, you got Royce Freak. You got Royce, uh, Royce O'Neal. Sorry, uh, he's not really much of a scorer. I mean, you got Joe Ingles. I think he let he was second on the team in scoring with 19 points. He's not gonna score 19 every night. And so, like, you know, Rudy Gobert is not a scorer. So, like, where's the rest of the offense gonna come from? And Donovan Mitchell's Will not going to – he's never made a shot he hadn't liked. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> you got to think, like, where does – Donovan Mitchell's not going to score 57 every game. It's just not possible. 
And I think, you know, one thing about the, the, the series, uh, they got some some in, intriguing individual matchups. You got two of the best young guards in the league and Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell. And then you got two of the best bigs in the game and Nikola Jokic and Rudy Gobert. Uh, so I think those are some good individual matchups to watch. And we saw them yesterday down the stretch. Uh, Jamal Murray was – him and Donovan Mitchell both were playing like men possessed, especially Jamal Murray. He was unconscious from three. He was just pulling off the screen. Man. Was looking like me on 2K. That's what he was looking like. Man, My and I, think, I think the Nuggets do have the edge at both uh, the small four and the power four spots. And Michael Porter Jr. and Paul Millsap, we, you know, we know what Paul Millsap is. You know, he's about a 15.7 rebound a game guy. We've seen Michael Porter Jr., six foot ten, silky smooth jump shot, can put the ball on the floor. People forget that Michael Porter Jr. was the best player in high school by far. And, you know, some back injuries have slowed him down a little bit, but I think he's starting to pick up right where, you know, people might have expected him to be because uh, the amount of talent that he has. And, you know, like you said, Monte Morris, Jeremy Grant, you got Torrey Craig. Uh, keep in mind, they're not even uh, – keep in mind, they don't even have uh, Will Barton and Gary Harris. Both of those guys that are out with injury. I don't even remember seeing Bowl Bowl play yesterday. So, like – Think about it. You know, two. I would say two of their top five or six players are, aren't even playing, and they're still playing at a high level. So I think Denver is a team uh, to be reckoned with, and I think they can take this in five. I think, you know, yesterday would have been a perfect opportunity for the, the Jazz to steal a game. But I think now that they didn't steal that game, I think, you know, I think it's, it's Nuggets in five. Yeah. Uh, and then, too, um... Mike Conley, I don't think it's even available to come back until, like, game three at the earliest. So, you know, they'll at least be playing game two without him, too. So, the Nuggets will probably take that one, too. So, yeah, I just don't see much hope for the Jazz. Like we said, they don't have enough offense. Um, And, I mean, where your offense isn't playing well, your defense will slip up a little bit, too, which we know that's what they, you know, usually hang their hats on. But that wasn't really – they didn't have their defense with them yesterday, so. Not at all. But, man, let's move on to our final matchup in the Western Conference. We have the four-seeded Houston Rockets versus the five-seed Oklahoma City Thunder. They're currently playing like, right now as we speak. Houston is in the lead 41-28 to 28 in the second quarter. Um, and I think one thing, you know, Quinn, what do you think about this series? Yeah, so I think this is probably my, or at least for me, it's probably the first round series I'm going to watch the closest, or at least I'm most excited to watch. Uh, but I have the Thunder in seven. Uh, at least for now, you know, Westbrook's injury is a big blow for the Rockets. Um, so, you know, you have to wonder when will he be able to come back. I think he has a quad injury, something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, you know, the Thunder may be able to steal two games before he's even in the series. Uh, you know, the Thunder played them well in the regular season. You know, it usually doesn't mean much. Uh, but they did have success against them and won the season series. Uh, and then the Thunder, for me, they just have more shot creators. Uh, you know, Chris Paul does what he does. You got Dennis Schroeder coming off the bench. Uh, Shaq Gilgis Alexander is probably one of the better young guards in the league that's on the come up. Uh, and Danilo Gallinari, you know, we see when he's healthy, he's an easy 20 point per game uh, scorer at six foot ten. 
so just down the stretch in the close game, uh, you know, the Thunder also have one of the better clutch records in the NBA. Uh, and Chris Paul has been the most clutch player uh, in the NBA down the stretch. So I think he's playing with the chip on his shoulder. You know, clearly the Rockets kind of gave him the cold shoulder and traded him for Russ. Uh, so, you know, he has to have a little bit added extra motivation. Uh, and, you know, at this point, Russ and Harden, aren't the most reliable players in close games. Uh, so given their struggles in close games and how well the Thunder can play, uh, if they can keep it close, I think the Thunder win in seven. Uh, I honestly, uh, I had the Thunder. I had the Thunder in seven as well, but that was before the Russell Westbrook injury, so now I got the Thunder in six. I think, you know, Russ being out with a quad, I think that's absolutely huge uh, with a player that you know, that relies on his athleticism as much as Russ does. I think that that definitely is a big blow, you know. And, like, I, I've never had a quad injury. I don't know if you have. But, you know, so I don't know how it affects you in terms of explosiveness. Uh, but that's that's big. Uh, Russ is a 27-point-per-game scorer this season. Been balling out. Uh, but I think, you know, one thing I look forward to, uh, look forward to with this matchup is the guard play. Now, you got Russ and Harden. Uh, and Austin Rivers, you can throw him in versus CP3, Shea Gillis, Alexander, and Dennis Schroeder. Uh, that's some of the best guard play you're going to see, uh, you know, in terms of both teams going against each other. And I think, you know, an intriguing matchup is Danilo Gallinari. Uh, like you said, when healthy, easy 20 points per game. What, 6'9, 6'10? Got a clip from beyond the three point line. You got Steven Adams on the interior who's one of the most solid big men the game has, you know, has a sweet touch around the rim, can protect the rim also. So I think, you know, I don't think the, the Rockets don't have anybody to match up with him. Like, who are you going to guard? Who are you going to guard him with? P.J. Tucker? You know what I'm saying? Robert Covington. <laughs> Robert Covington. I like I me. Mean, I like Robert Covington as a wing defender, but he's too small for Steven Adams. Steven Adams is probably the strongest player in the league. And, like, you know what I'm saying? Steven Adams is not – one of those guys like Rudy Gobert who really don't have a skill set offensively. Steven Adams got some low post game to him. You got got the hook shots, you know, got the up and unders, you know, the drop steps. He got all of that in his bag, you know. Uh, so I, mean, I think that's a that's a that's a mismatch because that's barbecue chicken if PJ Tucker trying to hold him in the post. Uh, PJ Tucker, you know, he's a long, strong guy, but he's only about six five or six six. Uh, that's that's barbecue chicken. Let's just keep it keep it a buck here. He not uh, even in the picture. You know, but I do want to say if Russ can come back maybe game three or something like that, then, you know, depending on what these first two games, the outcome of these first two games, okay, I could see it going seven then. But if Russ is going to miss this, you know, going to miss the first four games or something like that, I don't think I don't think James Harden alone is enough. And I think they got Eric Gordon back, but I don't think that's enough to compete with, you know, Shea, I think average 20 points a game. Dennis Shorter was at like 19. Uh, Chris Paul and Gallinari, both about 16 or 17 a game. You got Steven Adams in double figures. So, you know, I think that's a that's a strong unit, a strong six. They got Lugan Dortz. Uh, he's also been a great player for them this year. And so I think, you know, the Thunder, I think they just got a little too much power for the Rockets without Russ. Yeah, I agree. The, the Thunder are a little, little bit of a deeper team. So, I don't know. I'm pretty sure everybody just assumes the Rock is just going to 
steamroll right over the Thunder because I feel like the Thunder been getting overlooked all season. Uh, but I think they're going to make some noise and upset the Rockets. I think they and I honestly think – I honestly think with the way with the way they run the three guard system, they would probably give the Lakers more trouble than the Rockets or the Trailblazers. Honestly, in my opinion, anyway. No, that's interesting. I think I think the big problem with that would be who gonna guard LeBron. <laughs> and like, I mean, yeah, but who gonna guard say three point guards? That's true, but who who gonna guard? AD too. Danilo Gallinari not guarding AD. <laughs> yeah, no. They, I mean, they're not beating them. I just think they would give them more trouble than oh, the yeah. Trailblazers. Or the know, yeah, no. Yeah. They're they definitely not beating them. I've never said that. <laughs> yeah. But, man, let's move on to the Eastern Conference here. So, the Milwaukee Conference. <laughs> Milwaukee Bucks uh, were the number one overall seed in the NBA with the best record, uh, and they played the Orlando Magic. The Bucks actually lost their first game today against the Magic by double figures, uh, which was shocking to me. Uh, but listen, I, well, I was I haven't been high on the Bucks. I don't care what the record suggests. <laughs> I don't care. What, I don't care what kind of numbers Giannis. I don't care what kind of numbers Giannis put up. I've routinely said that all year long. I don't care. But, Quinn, what are your thoughts on the Magic versus Bucks series? Well, for one, I was watching the game. I don't know if you watched it, but I imagine you enjoyed every second of it because I know you you haven't been the biggest Giannis supporter at all this season. Uh, But, you know, I still got the Bucks in five in this series. You know, I watched the game. I just don't think the Bucks came out with really any effort today. Uh, pretty much they just got outplayed. The Magic had more energy. They didn't have anything to lose. So they were just like, hey, let's, you know, give my best shot. But, uh, you know, to me, Nikola Vucevic, I don't know what it is about European guys named Nikola, uh, but, I mean, he's probably a top five player in the Eastern Conference. I think he dropped, what, like 35? Uh, like, I think the Magic ended up with like five, six players in double figures. I mean, DJ Augustine was out there looking like he was still running with KD at Texas. Like, <laughs> I don't know what the Bucks are doing. They they just didn't play any defense today. I mean, even Terrence Ross went off. Like, and that was, I don't even think Evan Fournier really scored till like fourth quarter. And he's the Magic's second leading scorer. So, like I said, this game was a fluke. I just – I think the Bucks came out sleepwalking a little bit. They'll pull off the series in five games. Uh, they're, they're too good to be losing to the Magic. <laughs> I actually had the Bucks uh, before this game. I had the Bucks, uh dog walking the Magic and sweeping them in four. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, nah. I just didn't I think probably, they had it. I just didn't think they had enough, especially without Jonathan Isaac. I think, you know, him and Eric Gordon would have been your best matchups for Giannis. But, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, like you said, you know, Nikola Vucevic is one of the most talented big men in the game. Can shoot the three ball, can shoot the mid-range, got a low post game, play a little defense, can pass a little bit. He can do a little bit of it all. And, and you know, I think he goes – his game goes unnoticed playing in Orlando. Uh, but like you said, and, you know, Aaron Gordon being out. You know, I figured the Bucks are definitely going to win with Aaron Gordon and John Isaac being out. But 
they disappointed me. And you know, you know, like you mentioned earlier, I haven't been the biggest Giannis supporter this season, but his first three or four years in the league, uh, you know, I was a real big Giannis fan. I was like, you know, this dude gonna be a monster. But when he started getting out his attention, time I hit the best player in the game, I'm like, come on now. Like he got five. The best, he got, the best regular season player in the game. He got like he got like four or five moves on offense, bro. You can't be the best player in the game with four or five moves on offense. Like I ain't trying to hear that at all. And I think, but, he, you know, but he can't be stopped though. In the regular season. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, so like, time the game plan against them. You know, coming to this game, the Bucks were four and zero against Orlando, and they had an average margin of victory of seventeen points per game. So they they were beating the brakes off the Magic and fully healthy. So you know, like you said, I think they were just sleepwalking today. I don't know what happened. Uh, Chris Middleton went MIA, which he he does pretty often in the playoffs. He's, he's yeah. pretty known for that. <laughs> Giannis, I mean, Giannis bought out. I think he will have about – he had over 30. I think he had like 30, 30 and 15 or something like that. I think 31 and 17. Is yeah, he bought, so he bought out. Uh, uh, first three quarters. Yeah. He was like 0 for 5 in the fourth quarter, if I'm not that's, mistaken. That's And that's my criticism of Giannis. They don't have a – you know, they don't have a closer. Chris Middleton mm-hmm. is non-existent. And then your best player, he, don't have, he doesn't have a go-to move that's going to work in the playoffs. When he need to go get a bucket, they ain't got that guy. That's my criticism of Giannis. When it's time to get a bucket and it's this playoff defense, he can't do it. He don't got a reliable jump shot. He really don't have a post game outside of an up and under. All he does is all he does is dunk in Euro step. This, I mean, and you know, in the regular season they can't stop it. But playoff time, teams bring more intensity. You know what I'm saying? I think you know my, one of my yeah. other criticisms of Giannis. Anytime you have a player, anytime you got a team that got, you know, some rim protectors or they got players with similar athleticism and size, then all of a sudden, you know, he can't dominate like he used to. Now, I think, you know, I think if the Magic had Jonathan Isaac and, and Aaron Gordon together, I think that will be – I think that would be opposed a better threat too. But I, like I said, I mean, I got the Bucks in five. Well, I had them in four, but I got them in five now. Uh, you know, this was just one game. You know, they got – you know, the teams get caught sleepwalking sometimes in the playoffs. Uh, now, if they lose again, then, you know, I'm going to really be looking crazy. But They won't lose again. They done woke, they done woke Giannis up now. He's not going to mess around this game. <laughs> he didn't mess around? He didn't and mess around? Know, well, yeah, but he's going to have – his teammates did let him down. I don't think really nobody did much of anything. No, nope. I mean, isn't that the norm though when it comes to playoff time? And he, even sometimes he don't show up. They lost. I think they've lost like their last five playoff games. Five, yeah, because yeah. they lost they won the first game against Toronto. Then uh, won the first two, on the first two against Toronto. Then lost yeah, four the straight. Two. That dog walked. <laughs> <laughs> but man, let's move on to our two versus seven seed, the Toronto, the defending champion Toronto Raptors. Played well again this season, and they are the second seed in the Eastern Eastern Conference. Excuse me, and they're going against the the injured and uh, the well opted out Brooklyn Nets. Uh, and Toronto actually won the first game yesterday, and I had the Raptors in five anyway. So, Quinn, what are your thoughts on this series? 
Yeah, I agree with you on this one too. I uh I got the Raptors in five two. You know, the Nets basically are a YMCA team, but you know, you have to give them credit. <laughs> uh, you know, they play hard, uh, play for one another. Uh they actually have the interim head coach right now. Uh, but you know, he seems to have them, you know, pretty unified and playing hard. Uh, and I mean, when you're a team that shoots a lot of threes, all it takes you getting hot one game, and you know you could you could uh, steal a game. So I do think they'll be able to do that once. Uh, you know, along with the fact that while the Raptors have you know been playing as well as anybody really, uh, my only knock on them is that you know they have a tendency to play to the level of their competition, and you know while they did. You know, they blew out the, the Nets, but, you know, after being up by, like, 30, I think the Nets cut the lead back down to as low as, like, 10, like, later on in the second half. Uh, so, you know, you won't be able to have mental lapses like that against more elite teams. Uh, and, you know, also, they still don't know uh, who their go-to player is down the stretch of a close game. And I don't think they'll really be able to experiment with that this series because I don't really anticipate any close games. Uh, but, you know, come next series when you're playing a team like Boston, uh, they're going to have to really figure out who their players are going to be down the stretch that can go get a bucket because I don't think Pascal Siakam is that guy yet. Ian, like I said, you made a lot of great points. Uh, I had the Raptors in five. Uh, Brooklyn. It's pretty much been decimated by injury and opt-outs. Uh, you know, Karis LeVert has been balling. He had a career-high in assists yesterday. I think he had over 14 assists yesterday. Uh, but I think, you know, Toronto won a season series 3-1. to one. Uh, You know, we know what they represent. You know, you got two great guards in Van Vliet and uh, Kyle Lowry. You got Pascal Siakam. You know, you got OG Ananobi who made, you know, some threes yesterday and plays good defense. You, you know, you got two veteran big men and Serge Ibaka and Mark Gasol. So I think that's a that's a, a well-rounded, talented team. But like you said, I think, you know, one thing that Brooklyn has that Toronto doesn't have is I don't know who they're – if you say, go give me a bucket, I don't know who, who they call on. But you with Brooklyn, you know, without KD and Kyrie, you know who that guy is for Brooklyn. That's Karis LeVert. If, if it's one thing Karis LeVert know how to do is know how to get buckets. And, you know, he's been playing well in the bubble. But, you know, they just simply don't have enough. Now, if they had KD and Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan and Spencer Dinwiddie then, I would have went – I would have went to – I would have won Brooklyn easily. They could still have a squad next year. Yeah, definitely. You know, we, we'll see. But, you know, I got the Raptors easily winning this series. I think the Nets will get one just based off how, how hard they play and how they play as a unit, or even with the lack of talent. So, you know, I got the Raptors in five. Let's show. Easy breezy. Let's move on to the three versus the six seed. The Boston Celtics are the three seed in the Eastern Conference, and the Philadelphia 76ers are the sixth seed. Uh, the Celtics got the W yesterday, uh, but it's, no, it's worth noting excuse me, that the Philadelphia 76ers are without Ben Simmons. He's out with a knee injury. So, Quinn, what are your thoughts on this series? Yeah, so, you know, like you just noted, the biggest thing with this series, of course, the absence of Ben Simmons. 
so for me, the 76ers season went out the window right along with Ben Simmons. Uh, so, you know, the roster was already poorly constructed. Uh, and to lose your second best player, you know, you can't really mask over that in any kind of way. Uh, so, I, you know, for some reason, I always feel like if a series is going to go to six games, uh, the team that's like trying to upset has to win the first game. And, you know, the 76ers played pretty hard yesterday. But, you know, it was one of those games just down the stretch. You know, the Celtics went to their guys. And I don't know what it is with the 76ers, but they don't go to Ben Simmons. And, I mean, Joel and B in the post down the stretch. Like, in the last, like, two, three minutes of the game, I don't think B had a single touch uh, in the low post. Uh, and I think that's pretty, you know, pretty questionable. Uh, but, you know, with the injury of Gordon Hayward now for the Celtics, uh, which I think he's supposed to be out about four weeks, I do think the 76ers can, uh, you know, still steal a game. Uh, but, you know, before that, I had them winning in six. But, you know, like I said, after losing that first game, it'll probably be five at this point. Uh, I had the Celtics in five. Uh, obviously, that's because of no Ben Simmons. But I said going into this series, Joel Embiid has to be, you know, undoubtedly the best player on the floor. Like, he was going to have to be the best player on the floor in order for Philly to have a chance. And yesterday, he was the, the third best player on the floor. Uh, he, had, he went early on, first quarter. You know, he was out there dominating. Yeah, it was four for four from the field in the first quarter. He had 11 points. I think he had 15 the rest of the way. Uh, you know, they didn't really get him enough touches. I think, you know, he's a mismatch. Daniel Tice, you know, one thing about the Celtics is that they really don't have a lot of size. Uh, Daniel Tice and Jason Tatum, I think, are essentially the same height. <laughs> and Daniel Tice is playing center. Joel Embiid is, is seven foot, over 260 pounds, you know, nimble feet, can shoot the jump shot. And he's a beast in a low post. But, you know, he simply didn't get enough touches. You know, I think for uh, – you know, for the 76ers to even make this a series, you know, um, Matisse Thibel, Josh Richardson, and Tobias Harris, they have to defend at a high level. They're going to have to. And they're going to have to shoot three ball well. Uh, you know, you had they got Shake Milton running the point, which, you know, a lot of people don't know who Shake Milton is, but he had a big game against uh, the Clippers earlier this year. I think he put up like 37. So I think, you know, he's, a, he's an improved player. You know, they, they have Alec Burks. And, you know, they got Al Horford, too. But outside of that, they don't really have much else. They don't have much depth. And like you said, the roster is poorly constructed. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Signing Al Horford, I think, was a mistake. Because, you know, the spacing the spacing was terrible. You know, and they gave him max money. I don't think you give a guy. I mean, Al Horford has been incredibly productive throughout his career, but I wouldn't have gave him max money. Not to play alongside Joel and B, and, you know, Ben Simmons, I would have brought, brought back Jimmy Butler <laughs> for that money. Uh, but I think, you know, Celtics had three 20-point-per-game scores. Jason Tatum had 32 and 13. I think Jalen Brown had 29. Uh, Kimba Walker was doing Kimba Walker things. I think the loss of Gordon Hayward, I think that's going to hurt a little bit. But I think, you know, Philly can overcome it. They still got Marcus Smart. They still got Daniel Tice. Uh, Brad Wanamaker plays some, some decent ball down the streets. I just think, you know, Boston has too much with Tatum, uh, with Tatum and Brown 
and, and Walker. Yeah, uh, and you know, like you pointed out, you know, the one weakness with the Celtics, you know, is their lack of size in the post uh, and their rebounding. But you know, like we said, with Ben Simmons going out, I don't think this really be much of a series, and they just have too much more talent uh, than the Seventy Sixers. Even though I think Josh Richardson did play pretty well yesterday, but you know, I don't, I don't expect that to last for an entire series. Uh, man, let's move on to our final matchup and our final topic for today. Uh, we have the the four seeded Indiana Pacers versus the number five seed Miami Heat. Uh, the Heat took game one today uh, behind the hot hand of Jimmy Butler and, and Bam Adebayo. Uh, Quinn, what are your thoughts on the Pacers Heat series? Yeah, so coming into this series, you know, if everybody was healthy. Uh, I thought this would have been, you know, one of the more intriguing first-round playoff series. Uh, but clearly, you know, the Pacers are without their all-star big man, Demonis Sabonis. And then in the game today, uh, in the first quarter, Victor Oladipo got raked in his eye. So, you know, he didn't return for game one. And at this point, they don't know how long he'll be out with that injury. Um, so, you know, the Pacers, uh, you can't expect T.J. Warren to win a seven-game series in the playoffs. Like, that's just not going to happen. And the Heat, you know, they just – they play well all season. Uh, They shoot the three well. Uh, You know, they're well coached. They have a roster full of fearless players, you know, led by Jimmy Butler. Uh, They're well coached. And, you know, they can go 10 or 11 deep. Uh, You know, they've even pulled Iggy out of retirement for the playoffs. So, uh, I got the Heat in five in this one. Uh, I actually had, you know, the Heat in six, but I, I think, you know, I think you're, I think you're more closer at Heat in five. You know, they got some some interesting individual matchups. You know, Jimmy versus TJ. You know, Bam versus Miles Turner. Uh, you know, one thing I was surprised by Kendrick Nunn didn't play at all today. So you know, he's the finalist for Rookie of the Year. So, you know, I, I want to know why didn't he play? Uh, is it an injury or is it that the coach just didn't like, you know, what's been going on, what's going on with Kendrick Nunn? Because Kendrick Nunn is a problem. And I think he, that's a that's an added weapon, you know. And you got Duncan Robinson and Tyler Harrow, they're going to be big in this series. And like you said, you got Andre Dollar, who's going to always provide some good defense. You got Jay Crowder, who provides some good tough defense and some, some solid three-point shooting. But I think I think that you know I think that the Heat just are too well coached, and they got too many dogs on the roster, and that's a well constructed roster if you think about it. Like you said, they go by ten or eleven deep, like legitimately. You know, we didn't even mention Kelly Olynyk and you know his ability to take charges and stretch the floor, and Derrick Jones Jr. with it with his athleticism. So we didn't even mention those guys. So I think you know the Heat just have a little too much, and they're too well coached. I think the Heat are actually. Right now, they're my favorite to come out of the Eastern Conference. Man, you love you some heat. But, you know, they are, like you said, they're a great team. You know, I think they're very underrated. Uh, and, you know, like we said, their ability to shoot the three, they can beat anybody on any given night. Uh, but, you know, like we said, they just have too much talent. Uh, the Pacers are pretty banged up right now. Uh, so... They, even though they do, they're another one of those teams, you know, they're well coached and they play hard too. 
so, you know, they're not just going to roll over and let the heat just walk over. Uh, the heat are definitely going to have to work for it. But, you know, like I said, and, you know, today down the fourth quarter, in the fourth quarter down the stretch, Goran Dragic was huge for the heat. Like, Absolutely. I think at least I saw a stretch he scored like eight, ten straight points. Uh, so, like I said, they just have too many shot creators. Uh, they got plenty of guys who can defend. They got two all-stars. What more can you ask for? I, I want to say, I don't want to say Dragic had like had over 10 points in the fourth quarter alone. I think he had over 20 to finish the yeah, game. Yeah, he so. went off. Yeah, and Goran Dragic is a pro uh, from Slovenia. He's been in the league a while. He's 34 years old, but he's still, you know, getting it done at a high level. And I think, you know, DeMontis Sabonis is, a, is an extremely big loss. Uh, for the Pacers, uh, he's an extremely talented guy. Can do a little bit of everything. Can pass. Can shoot a little bit. You know, can defend a little bit. And like I said, he was an All Star. You know, and I think you know Victor Oladipo. That definitely. You know, I think that changed the complexion of their game. I think the Pacers would have had a chance towards the end with Victor Oladipo. You know, he's a talented guy. Uh, he's extremely productive. Uh, was coming off an injury, but you know, I'm pretty sure he was getting his win back like everybody else. Uh, but I got the Pacers in six. I mean, the, excuse me, the Heat in six. Could be five. If it's five, I wouldn't be surprised. But I think the Pacers are going to get at least a game in this series. Yeah, we pretty much agree on that one. Like you said, but if the Pacers were healthy, man, that would have been a pretty good series. Oh, yeah, definitely. Is there anything else you want to add, man? No, I don't think I got anything except, you know, Thank our supporters for continuing to listen to Black Lives Matter. That's all I got to say. Man, like you said, thank all thank all our supporters, all our listeners. Uh trying to our best to bring you consistent content and good content. You know, it's a lot of sh- podcasts and shows out here that, you know, that say egregious stuff for you know for clicks. And listens, and it's not something that we're gonna do. We're here to provide you the best and most unbiased analysis that we can that we can give you. And we want to thank y'all for continuing to, you know, support us. Uh, and I, like Quinn said, man, Black Lives Matter uh, forever and always. But that's it for episode twenty-one. We are your hosts. I'm Jimmy Covington, and I'm the one and only Quentin Douglas. Thank y'all. We out. Peace.